All right, everyone. Hello, hello once again, and welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host, and just let me get some of the plugs out of the way here at the beginning. Thank you for listening, as always. Please interact with this a little bit, uh, depending on... I know that certain podcast platforms make that easier than others. Uh, if you could rate the show, if you if you only can rate the show in general instead of individual episodes, please give us a rating, write us a review. If you can go episode by episode, give us a like. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the feed and you just stumbled across this, please subscribe to the feed. All of it helps us out. Just interact with it a little bit. That's very, very helpful to you know, the mythical algorithm that runs everything, right? So thank you very much for all that in advance. Always appreciate it. All right, on the agenda this evening, we have last night UFC on ESPN plus 36 with their 14-fight card. Ugh. I know the UFC is overbooking these because they're worried about guys falling out, or fighters, I shouldn't say guys. They're worried about fights falling out last minute. So I, I get it. I'm not saying it's not without some kind of logic to it, but man, does it suck. These are long events sometimes, man. Long events. I mean, just we had a, we had a fair number of finishes last night, which helped tremendously. But imagine if last fight the fifth round, but there were two middle there on the main card that had finishes. If those had gone long. Long event anyway. And then we have a preview for next week. Big couple of fights on that. UFC 253. The UFC is going back to the United Arab Emirates. And in there, that pay-per-view. Top two fights. Genuinely great fights. On paper. Uh, rest of the card's a little bit more iffy, but we'll get into that. Because that's what we do. And then news, such as it was. Not a whole lot of news this week, uh, I mean, that's what to expect. Before we go any further, let me welcome back 411 Luminary. He's in all the zones, or at least most of the zones. Uh, he does not have to cover the Emmys tonight, which is a fate I don't wish on too many people having to watch that. Uh, Jeff Harris is with us again. Jeff, how you doing? Once again, it is me, the J to the E to the double F free. Robert, it's good to be talking to you again. Thank you very much. It's your great honor and pleasure. So you I'm sure. Uh, you weren't too badly hit by that earthquake, right? I was hit by the earthquake, but I mean there was no serious damage. But it, I, I was, it definitely woke me up, and I definitely felt it, and it was scary, but uh, no serious damage, thankfully. Four point, it was four point eight here, by the way. Yeah, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. No. Um, uh, all but, right. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that was the thing. It was a weird night. Uh, there was one here a couple of months ago that was about 30 minutes north of me, 30, 40. Uh, I slept through the whole thing, apparently. Woke up to people like, hey, did you feel the earthquake? Like, no, not really. I definitely felt this one. And I was sleeping. I was sleeping when it started, but not after. All right. Well, let's jump into 
UFC on ESPN plus 36 from yesterday. Uh, weird card, I think. Uh, some good not stuff. The, not a bad card. Not the worst card. Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, we got some good finishes. No real great fights, but your main event, Colby Covington defeats Tyron Woodley via TKO, which was a rib injury to Woodley, 119 of the fifth. This was not an especially competitive fight. I mean, Woodley came out, and for the first couple of I mean, the first round was pretty much all Colby. Second round was closer. I think if there's an argument to be made for Woodley winning a round, it would be the second. I didn't think so, and neither did any of the official judges, but the second round was closer. When we get to rounds like three and four, I mean, round three was, once again, back into Colby's world. Round four was a 10-8. I, I mean, numerically, Colby landed 113 strikes in that round to, like, three from Tyron, I think, something like that. And then in the fifth, again, his rib finally, his rib breaks and he's done. Um, I don't really know where we want to start with this. Do we want to start with Tyron and how we should hang it up? I mean, I think we need to give Colby a little credit because he did do work on Woodley's mix, midsection during this fight. Um, I don't think Woodley has to hang it up yet. Um, if he doesn't hang it up, he needs to just, you know, he needs to start showing up more. Um, Dana White is correct. Woodley's kind of been like this his whole career. He's kind of... Uh, one one night he'll look like a million bucks and he'll sleep a guy in uh, in under a round and other nights he'll just look very just sort of laid back and he doesn't pull the trigger and he's always uh, he's always in second gear and he just doesn't he doesn't do he doesn't have much if he can't if he can't impose his will on his opponent he's just kind of hanging back and I mean that's kind of why those fights with Stephen Thompson were so just sort of uh, boring. Neither guy really did anything, and Thompson Thompson had a, a very laid-back Woodley in both fights, and, and Thompson was uncharacteristically unaggressive and just wasn't willing to engage and push the pace until it was really too late, and that's kind of why I think it was just for him to not walk away those fights with the title, because he didn't really do much of anything. Uh, does Woodley have to retire? No, I don't think he does, but... I feel like if he's going to continue if he's going to continue fighting like this then he definitely does need to retire. If he's just going to you know not do anything really and just sort of let his opponent do whatever they want. Well, I bring it up just because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he is 38 and yeah. Welter's slowing down, yeah. He doesn't and- look that sharpness is gone and once you get older it doesn't get easier. And welterweight in particular, any division like 185 and down, when you get not just over 30, but I think when you hit like 35, prolonged success, especially at a high level after that point, is rare. It, well, he's never lost three in a row before. Um, now, well, he's the, not one lost- thing, the, the one thing you can say in his favor, his last three losses are all to title contenders and t- uh, or to the champion Kamaru Usman, who's the best guy in the division, arguably on the planet, 
Gilbert Burns, who's fighting for the title next, and Colby Covington, who had fought for the title before, interim champion in his top five in the division. So that's, you know, he's never lost three in a row before, but one fight he was champion and he lost the title to the new champion. One was to a contender and another one was to a former contender. I think that's very true. I mean, I tend to think that Usman, uh, Burns, and Covington are the three best welterweights in the UFC. What what order you choose to put them in, I think, is fairly irrelevant to that point. Those are the three best guys in the UFC, if not the world. I think the only welterweight you kind of throw into that discussion would be Douglas Lima. And... I would love to see those fights. I don't think I'd favor him in any of them, but uh, it's a shame that Lima's competitive reputation has been stained by fighting in Bellator for so lo- so very long. Because he is a very, very good fighter. And I don't know too many people that could fight those three guys back-to-back and not, you know, take losses along the way, if not lose all three of them. The problem with Woodley is not just the age, but he didn't he's lost every round of his last three fights. He lost all five against Usman with at least one 10-8 thrown in there. He lost all five against Burns. There might have been a 10-8 in there somewhere. He lost all four prior to the fifth against Covington with a 10-8 thrown in and was losing the fifth before the injury. That is a really bad trajectory. It would be one thing if he were losing these fights, but, you know, they were somewhat competitive. Uh, These are very not – these have been very, very lopsided fights in that respect. Uh, If he wants to hang around a little bit longer, I think – I think everyone just has to be realistic about this. His time as a top five – his time as a top ten welterweight is done. If he wants to try and get one more fight, one more kind of, you know, payday, maybe go out on a win, I think there's fights you can do. Uh, but he is beyond, He is at this point pretty firmly out of the title scene, in the title competition phase of his career. If he's sticking around, it's essentially only for the paycheck. Uh, and at his age, that's not a good spot to be. So I, I mean, Woodley is, you know, probably the second or third best welterweight the UFC's, you know, best welterweight champion the UFC has had. Is he really? I mean, he's be- he's behind GSP definitively, if we're talking about championship reigns. I would probably say he's behind Hughes, not because, not that he's, not that he is in any way an inferior fighter to Hughes, but... Hughes' title reigns meant more, for whatever that distinction is worth. And I would say he's, you know, ahead of Lawler. And Lawler would kind of be the next tier down for me. Mm. I mean, if you have someone else that you think it would break ahead of him. Kamaru Usman, definitely. With one more title defense, unequivocally, he will surpass Woodley, I think. Here's my problem. He defended his title. He did defend his title four times, but one of those fights was a draw, Robert. Yeah, it was. So to me, he only really defended his belt three times successfully. Well, he only defeated his ch- his challenger three times. 
a draw is not a win, though. No. He didn't lose the title, but it's not a win. So I, I mean, look, Frankie Edgar kept the belt on a draw. The champion does. And he, honestly, honestly, the second fight over Thompson was even worse. Yeah, it was a it was an unbelievably dull fight. Um, that I seem to recall thinking he should have lost. And Darren Till, I got to be honest, Darren Till had no business being in that fight at all. That was an he was a bit of an odd choice in that respect. He was he was gifted that title shot. He did not belong. He did not earn that title fight. He did not belong in a title fight against Woodley. Um, Usman beat Woodley, beat Covington, uh, beat Masvidal. Um, Masvidal. Covington, you can't argue they were legit title contenders. They were. They definitely were. Uh, before that, he had an incredible, incredible win streak. Yeah, I, I'm ranking Usman ahead of Woodley. I'm sorry. That's fair. I mean, again, I, I am limiting this to what they do in both their in their title winning efforts and then with the title. Oh, I who else I, is better than Woodley? Matt Hughes. I said Hughes. So I would put. GSP, Matthews, Usman, all above Woodley. Again, for the way I tend to rank these things, I think I think Usman needs one more title defense. If he does, fair enough. Unequivocally, I think he's he gonna. If the Burns provided the Burns fight happens, I'm picking him to beat Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I favor him against Burns. Burns is Burns is a very legitimate test of him though. That, that I, should I be a agree. good fight. But yeah, if he gets I by agree. Burns. If he gets by Burns, he might leapfrog all the way to second. In all and that's and that's what you have to do to secure a legacy and build a legacy. You have to beat those tough, legit contenders. And I think Usman's on the right path. Uh, but Burns is a tough challenge. Um, I mean, a presumptive rematch with Covington is a very I tough think, challenge for Usman, too. I do want to give Covington credit, because he did do good things in this fight. His cardio is unbelievable. He did mix it up um, at times. His wrestling was on point, and Woodley is a very good wrestler. Um, Woodley, some, What Covington did to Woodley, Woodley is known to have done to other opponents before. So... He did a good he did a good job neutralizing Woodley, I think. Um, and Woodley's chin was Woodley's chin was there most of this fight. Um, oh, Woodley's but, chin has been quite strong. I think he's only been yeah, finished with strikes. Been, once. Yeah, he's twice, twice, twice. The only one I remember is the Marquardt fight. Marquardt and. Da, da, da. Does it have? Oh, th this fight was. I'm sorry, not due to rib injury. Was this fight? So the only fight was the Marquardt fight. And has he? He's never been submitted. So that's a pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good distinction to have on your resume too. Yeah, I mean, he has a. He has always been a very talented fighter. He's just never been a very interesting fighter to most mm. people. Which happens to a lot of guys. You know, he's not alone in that particular respect. Uh, I don't know that Covington will go right back into the title picture. But that's just because there's a few other uh, pieces in play. 
Well, Usman is is scheduled to fight Burns next. Yeah. So the question then kind of becomes: Would Would Covington just fight the winner of that fight? Is he next? Brandon, up we are title? we are in the middle of a pandemic and lots of there's lots of craziness. Burns was supposed to fight Us uh, Usman the weekend uh, the Mosfidal fight happened. Yeah. That, that was, was supposed to be Burns. That was supposed to be Burns already. Um, let's see. I mean, you got Leon Edwards still hanging out there somewhere. Right. Leon, there, there's the Leon Edwards. Is, Edwards has really failed to kind of, you know, market himself and really advocate for himself, though. Um, plus, there's, you know, again, pandemic situation with the shutdowns. You know, you've uh, had yeah. issues in the UK, you know, getting 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 someone to get to Fight Island. It's a big process now. It's not it's not as simple as it used to be. Uh, yeah. So let's see. I mean, you, got, you, do have, the, you have Masvidal kicking around out there as well. Masvidal Mas, can very well factor back into the title there picture. Were reports, there were reports of Masvidal uh, getting an, a rematch with Nate Diaz, right? That's what they were talking about? I know that's, yeah, I know that's kind of been kicked around. I don't know how... Right. It's not confirmed. Not confirmed. So then, Covington. There's also talk about Covington Mosfidal. Yeah. That fight could happen. That's a grudge fight. You could make that fight headline. That fight could headline a pay per view. All things considered, Robert. It could. You could make. You know, you don't always have to have title fights headlining a pay per view. That's a genuine pay-per-view headliner you could book there because Masvidal is very popular. Covington's like the ultimate heel right now or the ultimate bad guy. Um, Steven Thompson, does he have a fight scheduled? Uh, I think they were talking about Thompson and uh, Leon Edwards, actually. That's the fight that they were, they were looking at. I don't know if it's been signed. I know they were talking Let's about see. it. That's not the worst fight to make right now. For No, I'd be okay with that fight for both guys. You know, So there's still a lot of moving pieces, so I'm not sure, but you know. Aya is still in in the top ten, even though he's hypothetically retiring after his next fight. So, um, yeah. Does Woodley stay? Woodley's in the top five right now. Do he you was think five should, going into last night? He should right. So, do you think he should stay in the top ten if, if no. he's conceivably? I have a feeling he's not going to retire after this loss. I don't. Even if you don't, even if he chooses not to retire, a three-fight losing streak with all three fights looking the way they did, no, you're not a top, you're not one of the top ten contenders for that title, at all. Okay. Um, it should probably be somewhere like twelve. If Woodley or is okay with like re, if Woodley is okay with kind of facing lesser opposition and trying to rebuild himself, I have no problem. With him continuing to fight, the problem is, is the fights, you know, fighting those up and comers or fighting the lower rank guys. Those aren't always the easier fights, Robert. You know, maybe he'll finally get that fight with uh, Nick Diaz. He's always wanted. Nick Diaz is looking for a fight, um, according to Helwani, but that does not mean Nick Diaz will fight or I'm aware. Fight someone like or fight someone like Tyron Woodley. I mean, Tyron, when he was at his best, was a terrible matchup for Nick. Yes. Current Tyron, I might like his chances. Uh, honestly, I would, I would. Current Tyron, I would probably still pick, pick, 
pick him to beat Diaz. I, I might lean towards Tyron, but <laughs> I, and look, that's mostly because, you know, Nick hasn't won a fight since, uh, what, 2012, 2011, when he beat BJ Penn? Uh, Dos Andros is supposed to fight Islam Makachev. Dos is back, he's moving back to lightweight, apparently. Huh, interesting. So I see this is kind of my problem because, you know, even though guys are moving around divisions, they have them ranked in the top 10. Um, yeah, weird. Yeah. Fight. Uh, you know who Woodley could fight in Anthony Pettis, honestly. They're training partners. So what? So I find it profoundly unlikely. Woodley has moved around camps throughout his career. He has. A... I don't, again, I just I th- he used to this. be training partners with Colby Covington. Yeah, but his relation, the Rufus Sport team is not at all the same kind of team that American Top Team is. At okay. All. So you have Jeff Neal uh, outside the top ten. You have Neil Magny. You could do a Neil Magny fight. Magny would smoke him. Uh, Jeff Neal. Neil and Bobby Lawler, who Neil are, would finish him. I think I'm pretty sure Neil would finish Woodley at this point. I mean. Uh, in, you could there do are, Lawler, you could do the Lawler rematch maybe. You could do there are fights you could do. The thing is Lawler Lawler is arguably in a worse boat than Tyron Woodley right now, I would think. Uh, the only thing Lawler has going over Woodley at this point is uh, goodwill with the fan base. Right. People I, like Robbie. <laughs> but Woodley Woodley is uh Lawler has lost four in a row. Yeah. And he in some of those losses are not to top contenders, Robert, like Neil Magny. So, he, Woodley has fights he could take outside the top 10 um, if he wants to continue fighting. And there are probably a couple guys in the top 10 he could, he could face Michael Chiesa, for that matter, uh, for someone he, in the top 10. He could. Yeah. But, I mean, better question. Do you think he has any chance of beating him? Um, Kiesa, possibly. I give him very little chance against Kiesa. Very little. Kiesa is a big guy. Is it just that, is Woodley okay take, is Woodley okay taking the risk that he's going to help up-and-coming welterweights build their resumes on him? Because that's what's going to happen to him if he sticks around too much longer. And it's a, it's a fair question. Everybody has to, everybody who fights long enough, that's going to happen to you. Yep. Happens to it happens to almost every fighter at some point, except Floyd Mayweather. It is um, the rare, rare fighter that gets out before they become fodder for the next generation. I think Covington should fight George Mosfidal next. I would be completely okay with that fight. Just because, look, Mosfidal, he lost. Covington lost to Usman. Masvidal lost to Usman. These guys have these guys are still in the top five. They have heat with each other. Covington just beat Woodley. If Covington beats Masvidal and he really wants to fight for the title, one that gives him a high-profile main event level fight, two that basically clinches another title fight for him if he beats Masvidal. Wouldn't you agree? If he beats Woodley and Masvidal back to back, yeah. You can't really argue. You can't. It, if he, if that's what he truly wants, another shot at the title, a Masvidal uh, 
fight is not the worst thing for him right now. And honestly, I don't think Masvidal is a terrible matchup for him, to be frank. No, those I think two he has match a good up, chance of beating Masvidal. Those two match up very interestingly in a lot of respects. Uh, we've seen Masvidal struggle with guys that keep not only a high pace, but a, a real kind of wrestling heavy offense. He can mm-hmm. struggle with that. Covington has a distinct lack of head movement, and Masvidal is very good about hitting people. Uh, both men are competent enough at the other's strengths to kind of keep it interesting. So, Did you see any of the, the post-fight antics with Covington and Usman and all that? No, and I very deliberately choose not to engage. I don't listen to anybody's post-fight crap. Okay. I, I imagine, I think I saw some people talking about it. <laughs> I think Usman did have a good line in there. Eh, he probably did. I mean, as much as those two talk at each other, one of them's going to say something good every now and then. Because um, after after President Trump called uh, Covington, Usman was like, "I think you got something on your mouth." That's not a bad. I thought line. that. I thought that was. I got to be honest. I thought that was good. That was pretty good. I'm. I was kind of disappointed Covington didn't. Uh, I mean, I get why he didn't say anything about Woodley, but because he wanted to look forward, not back. But Woodley set himself up for just to be zinged with the with his. Uh, I wanted to make this joke, but I don't think anyone would. Uh, how do I say this? What was the joke you wanted to just tell me? What the joke? Because okay. now I'm dying to know. Okay, so everyone listening, we preface this is a joke, and I will explain it afterwards if you don't get the full context. It's important to remember that despite Tyron Woodley's catastrophic athletic failure over his last three fights, black lives still matter. Yeah. Oh, that's the joke. Now, it's only funny. Hang on. Lest you think I'm insulting an entire race of people. It's only funny if you saw Tyron Woodley's pre-fight press conference. That, That one I missed. What did he say? Didn't matter what question he was asked, he answered with Black Lives Matter. That's all he said? No, he turned it into a sentence. And someone asked, like, so what would a win for this what would a win here mean for your career? Uh, uh, a win here a win here would mean very much that Black Lives Matter. Okay. It, it was some variation on that for what didn't matter what he was asked, that was his answer to every question. So my joke then, not at the expense of the movement or to as some kind of political statement but just poking fun at tyron woodley's specific behavior for that specific event would have been that but again no one saw that right it's a tyron woodley press conference i thought i thought it sounds like he was doing like a marshawn lynch thing i'm just here so i don't get fired it could have been that i i don't know exactly what it was I, i couldn't speak to his motivation i know that's what he did so again, I had kind of a joke that I thought about making, and I just I had to stop myself because if you don't again, if you don't know the context, it sounds like I'm either being incredibly dismissive of that particular movement, or I'm vociferously supporting he, that particular movement. Did he really just answer every question with with a variation of that in a sentence? Yes. You, that must have been really annoying. There's video of this. You can absolutely find it. Okay, I'm reading about it on ESPN now. Yeah. So again, it's only my joke's only funny if you have the full context. So 
I refrained. So to anyone who, so I hope anyone who listened uh, understands it was where my head was there. So anyway. Well, to be fair to you, Tyron Woodley did kind of set him himself up. For I know, a right? Of, I'm shocked no one made the joke. It's it's very obvious. I don't you know, because it's kind of if if you're gonna make the fight about that, you're kind you know if you you know. This is the thing about MMA. If you if you kind of expose yourself and you put yourself up on that kind of uh, pedestal, you know, if you lose, it's embarrassing. Like, kind of like for Covington. And now yeah, Covington's cool. acting like Covington's acting like he was screwed when he was pretty fairly justifiably stopped in that first fight with his. I didn't have much of a problem with the stoppage there. And it wasn't and, a bad stoppage. No, I'm sorry. Not at all. And look, I and yeah, the knives came out to stab Covington after that, and he set himself up for it completely. Yeah, that's an, so. I, I'm I'm just kind of surprised that no one somewhere around made that particular joke. But my sense of humor. I is can there. I can see why I can see why a lot of people probably didn't make that joke, honestly. But I can see, I I can see it too. But I don't. I understand. I understand why what you're getting at here. You know. Yeah. I, yeah, I also don't care that much about pissing off either particular side of that. And I can I can enjoy that. and I can enjoy you know a good dark joke now and again. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. We've talked enough about uh, that. Maybe All right, yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Covington, either one fight removed or next up, depending on how a few other things play out. Uh, if they because if they try to do like Nate and Jorge two, and that depending on when that gets scheduled for, they might Covington might be the next guy up. So. Don't be shocked if he is, and I mean he's the only guy who's given Usman thus far a tough fight. So uh, if Covington figures out how to move his head, man, he'll be a real problem. I mean he is a problem, but like his lack of head movement is his biggest issue at the moment. Anyway, your co-main event: uh, Donald Cerrone and Nico fight. Price fought to a majority draw. Scores were there was one twenty-nine twenty-seven for Cerrone, which I don't think I don't know how I don't know how that happened. Well, that ha- that person just gave Cerrone rounds two and three after a nine nine first. And I, I don't agree. I don't think Cerrone won the second, but uh, the two tw- I was twenty eight twenty eight. We got here because Price was deducted a point in the first round after his second eye poke to Cerrone. Uh, Nico making- Price. Get a hold of yourself, man. Um, speaking of guys who should retire, let us enter enter Donald Cerrone. Now, Cerrone is still a competitive fighter in a lot of respects. I mean, if you look at this fight in particular, yeah, he got terrible. He got blitzed in the first two and a half minutes. I mean, Price threw. A, they said something like uh, sixty strikes in two minutes. That is a crazy pace. That is a that is a fairly absurd. But he still pace. showed up for the rest of the fight. Yeah, and Cerrone kind of weathered the storm, won the third round. He's still competitive, so it's not. I mean, again, Tyron Woodley has not had a competitive round in about 18 months at this point. Cerrone's had some competitive rounds. He's won some rounds, but. He just looks old. He's at that. He's at that point. He's at that point. 
He's had a long career. He's had a ton of fights, and he's 37 years old. Yeah. So the the fact that he's he's been able to fight this long, basically 15 years, um, and fighting at this level is pretty miraculous if you think about it. And fighting to 37. And Dana White even said. After the fight, I ha- I'm going to have to have a talk with Cerrone, which means talking it. He's going to talk with him about hanging it up. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're about as big a Donald Cerrone fan as exists outside mm-hmm. of his immediate family. I mean, are you even excited to watch him fight anymore? <sighs> I mean, I, I, I was fine with this fight. Um, it just depends. I feel like he kind of had his, he kind of had the big run a while back, kind of peaked with the Iakinta fight, and it's been downhill since that. Um... The thing is, this fight was a draw, so he technically didn't lose. So I was still feeling... on a five fight. He still has not won in his last five fights. Right. Um, I don't think he has to retire just yet. I would say give him. I would say give him one more. I, I don't. I don't mean that he he has to retire right now. Again, he's been competitive with some of these guys. Even in losing efforts. I could be ex- I could be excited to watch him fight again. It just depends. It depends on the matchup. So if he's down to say, let's just for a moment fantasy book. If he's got two more fights, what are the two Donald Cerrone fights you really have well, to see, see before he's done? Nate Diaz. I would put him in there with Nate Diaz, maybe. Want that rematch? Uh, no. Excuse me, Nick Diaz. Okay. I can see that. But then 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 I'm then I'm all but I'm also not sure. Is that really a fight you want to give Cerrone at 37 years old with all that wear and tear? But then again, Nick Diaz hasn't fought in so long and Nick Diaz is not a young man either. So I mean, isn't Nick the same age? He I think so. I think he might be older, yeah. Nick Diaz is 37. So yeah, they're both same the same age. age. I'd be fine with the Nick Diaz fight. I mean, that could that fight could easily headline an ESPN card. Not Nate Diaz. If we're just thinking like special attraction, yeah. go home again, type of fight. Nate Diaz. The, uh, Nate Diaz. Let's see who else. Yeah, this is the Cerrone retirement tour. We have an end date. What are the what are the what are the fights you have to see? Nate Diaz. Okay, so that, Nate Diaz is fun. Nate Diaz. Uh, excuse me. Not Nate. Nick. Nick Diaz, the older brother, if Nick Diaz fights again. Uh, I don't want to say Matt Brown. Uh, we already had that fight. Good fight. Did they fight before? Yes, Ronnie had kicked him. In okay, the third round. Okay, that's right. Uh, Mike, that is one of the all-time worst calls, even by Mike Goldberg's stand- standards. He calls it a body kick. It's a okay. kick to the head. Uh, see, that was when I, see, I don't want to give him a really hard fight, you know? 
I want to well, give him. You don't want to give him. You certainly don't want to give him a contender, right? But just yeah, what's, that's a, the what's other a fun, thing. What's a fun fight? You know, something that we haven't seen or that you wouldn't mind seeing again. Uh, Damian Maya. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Damian Maya. There you go. Okay. So you're sticking at welterweight then. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he should have to cut weight for his if, last fight. If he doesn't want to, I, I agree with that. Um, what would I want to see? What do I want to see for Cerrone's last couple of fights? What haven't I seen from Cerrone? I think I've seen from him the big fights that I wanted, you know? Like well, that, while, yeah, I, that's the, yeah. I, I agree. wanted to see... I wanted to see him and Robbie Lawler, and I got that. It was, you know, pretty darn great. He fought, you see, he fought Ferguson. Did. Which was, you know, that was his big, that was his big opportunity, and he couldn't get it done there. He fought Gagey. He fought McGregor. He's fought Pettis multiple times. He's fought pretty much everybody. He's fought. He's fought. He's fought for the title. Even he's fought. Uh, you know. He fought Dos Anjos. Yeah. He just wasn't. Was never that was, he was never capable of just crossing the finish line. The way Cerrone conducted his career, people who fight like that, and I don't just mean in the cage, I mean who like the fast turnover, who just that that's kind of the the schedule and the No, I don't think it was that. I think it's just him. It's him mentally. Well just, again, it, it all kind of plays together, right? He and it's his style. And it's his style. It's not just the fast turnaround, Robert. Maybe it's one style. Champion, maybe one it's, champion who has fought half as much as he has. Who were who? Uh, I mean, Jones was pretty active when he when he was first champion. Jones, John Jones. John had a when he ran up to the belt in his first couple of title defenses. They, those were fairly close together. Yes. So, so there, about, there you go. You about, so you got about two years of John's what five year reign, a little bit less than that. You can't, had, yeah, but can't, so you, all right, you're going to downplay it, but you can't things. deny it. It's undeniable though. Yeah, it's also it's also not sustainable. That's okay. why he didn't keep doing it. But to me, that's not your. To me, that's not that's not the main fact. The reason Cerrone couldn't do it is because stuff he did stylistically in those fights. And just because of him mentally, I feel like mentally when he gets to that big main event title opportunity, he, he just shuts down or his opponent is just that much better. Yeah. And Cerrone is not the only guy for whom those are. He wasn't fighting in the WEC when he was fighting for the title. He wasn't turning around that quickly, Robert. Uh, I forget the schedule he kept in WEC. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So, Jamie Varner was uh, the first title fight with Jamie Varner. This is all the way back in 2009. That was January 2009. Uh, fought. He fought three more times that year. So four fought, fights a year. The James Krause fight, he finished in one round. Uh, uh, he finished him inside one round. Then he fought Benson Henderson for the interim title in October. To me, that's not like an unreasonable schedule. No, uh, that, that isn't hugely unreasonable. 
Ed Radcliffe, I mean, Ed Radcliffe fought in uh, December. Um, he won that fight. Then he fought, then he fought Benson Henderson for the title again in April. To me, that's not an unreasonable schedule. So he only, so hang on. So in the space of, so in, in two years, he fought, hang on, no, no. In 13 months. Okay. He fought five times. Yeah. Yeah, that's unreasonable for, su- I don't for, think, su- I don't for success so. at the very highest level. Some guys have fought more. I, look, I'm not saying you can't win if you fight at that pace. I'm saying losses at that point become inevitable. And when you're the champion, well, you have to look at Fedor. If you'd like to. Fedor did not keep a great schedule. Plus, Fedor See, had... Fedor in, Fedor in 2003, when he was champion... One, two, three, four, five times. Five times in 2003. One, two, three, four, four times in 2004. So that's the guy you you worship and think is one of the greatest of all time. I yes, do think he's do. one of the. Hang on, I do think he's one of the greats. I do not worship Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, well, 2005. On. One, two, three. Three times in 2005. Okay, there's also, if we're going to talk about pride guys and their quick turnarounds, yeah, we have to bring up very specifically the complete and utter lack of drug testing. This is one of those things that people don't like talking about when they talk about what performance-enhancing drugs do. One of the okay. big things they do is limit your downtime between fights. Okay. You, ju- you jack yourself up full of pain pills... So you, so if anything, you should be giving Cerrone more credit for what he was able to accomplish. Look, I give Cerrone all the credit in the world for his career. It's amazing. I I'm just saying, think I'm saying that I, I type think, of schedule is I think not something what, anyone does at the highest I level. I think what ha- what happened to Cerrone, and do, what happened in the Cerrone in his fight against Dos Anjos was not. Do you really think that was because of his schedule? I don't think because I, I don't I think mean, it was. Look, there is no none of these are the only factor. It's all it's all a giant amalgamation of factors. Against Dos Anjos, he ran into a terrible stylistic matchup. That was that was the only time he fought for the UFC lightweight title. Yeah. In his in his fights with Benson Henderson, the reason he lost those fights was not because of his schedule. I'm sorry. It was not. I'm look, I'm just not going to pretend that training that consistently at the intensity necessary to get ready for those kinds of fights with that regularity is not a giant strain and drain on your body. It is. Of course, of course. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I think you're I think you're overstating it, though. I think there are other factors you're overlooking when it comes to Cerrone's career. But the fact is. Cerrone has an amazing legacy for this sport. He, you cannot deny that he was a star, and I think he has earned a spot in the UFC Hall of Fame just because of he's he's just one of the to me he's an indelible personality in this sport and someone you will never forget. He's uh, one of those guys that anyone who watches the sport. What kind of regularity would I say this? If you're if you're a fan of this sport, there's a good chance you're a fan of Donald Cerrone, basically. More or less. Uh, anyone who watches at least, say, 
10 to 12 events a year. You've seen at least two Donald Cerrone fights, and you're probably a fan of the guy. Right. If you're one of the people who shows up, you know, four times a year for the big events, and that's all you ever do, you might not ever have really seen or appreciated Cerrone's career. But... I was more disappointed with Nico Price in this fight. Yeah. He should have won this fight. Straight well, up. one, he let the fight get away from him. A fight he could have won. Two, he looked absolutely starstruck being in this fight and looks like he didn't even care that he wanted to win. It reminded me of when Pat Berry fought Crow Cop. Um, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, I mean, look, Price, again, he shot his com- entire load in that first, like, two and a half minutes. And he never got his gas He was starstruck. Back. He was totally starstruck. And he was celebrating after he got a draw with Donald Cerrone. Like, big whoop. You got, okay, you, you got a draw with Donald Cerrone, a guy and, who's lost his last four in a row. And realistically, that's, no, that's nothing to, you didn't lose, but that's nothing to celebrate over. I'm sorry, Robert. It's not, look, if, the, if he had had any, even the barest bits of self-discipline to stop poking Cerrone in the eye, he wins this fight because he doesn't get the point deducted. He should have won this fight. He didn't because of his own stupidity. Yeah. Um, All right, moving on. Uh, Woof, this one. Hamzat Shemaev one-punched Gerald Mershart in 17 seconds. I feel bad for Gerald Mershart. I... I don't. <laughs> I don't have anything against the guy, but uh, I'm not ready to anoint Hamzat. Everyone's calling him the next Habib, but I'm not ready to uh, anyone, anoint. Him. Anyone calling him the next Habib is Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I don't know who's doing it. I, you, you tell Dave me people Meltzer, are doing it. I Dave believe Meltzer, you. Dave Meltzer just did today. <laughs> Meltzer doesn't know what he's looking. So anyone who's calling him the next Khabib is what? Desperately reaching for comparisons. <laughs> Look, they they have similar names. They're from a similar part of the world. They are very – and if you all you watched was Shemaev's first couple of fights in the UFC, you had no knowledge of what he did regionally or didn't watch this fight, I can see why you would rush to that comparison. But there's a couple of major differences that are oh, important. Oh, speaking of guys with active – schedules this guy fought twice in july yeah twice in 10 days just fought last night and now he's scheduled to fight his next fight uh against damian maya later on when is that fight scheduled oh sometime in the next couple of weeks it's during their next stint on yaz island so in the next five events Yeah, you can do that when you're breaking in, when you're trying to make a name for yourself. Especially if you're young. He's 20, mm-hmm. he's what, 23? I mean, think about what you could do. It. You no, know, he's I, not. What is he? 26. Oh, 26. Still, it's really young. You can do – there's a lot you can do differently when you're that young. Your but did you like what he you. did last night? Oh, yeah. Well, sorry. To get to my point about his the comparisons with Khabib, Shemaev is not near the takedown threat that Khabib is. Uh, he, not to say his takedowns are bad. 
but he is he does not present the same level of threat that Khabib does. If Khabib gets a gets you know gets his hands locked around you, you are in real trouble. Shmaev will take you down, but it's he's not demonstrated that against the same level of opposition. By contrast, Shmaev has legitimate knockout power on the feet. And that's not just here. He uh, one of his last fights on the regional scene, he fought a multi like a, a former uh, combat sambo world champion and couldn't get him down to save his life. So he faked him into an uppercut and slept him with one punch. There's some, they are, I get why people are kind of reaching for that comparison. They are not the same fighter at all. And if they, again, they're very, very different fighters. Uh, Kamayev is a much bigger threat on the feet and Khabib's takedown game is much better, but he is, you know, an undefeated guy from that kind of part of the world who uses some of Khabib's speech, pat- uh, not just speech patterns, but uh, he brought in the smash things like Khabib did. He's, uh, look, I'm not going to say the man is, you know, the second coming or anything. He's got less, he, this was what, his eighth fight? Eighth or ninth? So you've got single digit fights. And you look really good. And against guys who are not scrubs, Gerald Mearshart is not a scrub. But, uh, look, I'm not, again, I'm not, you know, saying that he's on a rocket ship to the stars or anything. But he's very clearly a problem. And there's still some questions about his game and, you know, how he responds to certain things that are questions. But This was his ninth fight. Okay, so nine. So Damian Maya will theoretically be ten. Uh, but this guy, he is certainly a very, very real threat to anyone he gets in the cage with. He's not someone to be taken lightly. Do you think the Maya fight still happens? Uh, that's a bit harder to say. I'll go out on a limb and say I think it should. I think that is probably the fight that should happen. Whether or not they try to throw him into deeper water, into a a, a higher ranked opponent, so throw him deeper into the water, they might. But. Maya is in the top 10 of the division. And he Uh, just beat uh, of uh, Welterweight. Okay. Well, Maya just got got smoked by Gilbert Burns' last time. Right. Right. Maya's fight. Well, Burns is fighting for the title next. Maya is ranked number seven, which probably shouldn't be the case, but whatever. Uh, I, for the record, I do tend to like. I don't uh, think Hamayev's chances. I don't think Hamayev's next fight is. Uh, I don't think the Maya fight is official yet. I don't think they have a. I don't think they have it on a card. They. I think they were talking about it for the next fight, but I don't think it's official. I don't think they've – I'm with you there. I don't think they've confirmed it yet. So if they go a different direction, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, at a bare minimum, uh, that guy's probably your breakout star for 2020. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, the, I'm wheels, not ready. Could entirely, the wheels could entirely come off in the next – I don't know. What's happening What's happening with Shemaev now kind of reminds me what happens with the next fight, honestly. The uh, guy, One of the guys in the next fight. 
I'd say Shamayev at least demonstrated a, has demonstrated a much greater technical proficiency than. Do you want to see Shamayev stay uh, middleweight or or welterweight? Now that's a real question. I don't know. I would have to see how his how his punching power translates at welterweight. It might be mm-hmm. one of those things where that weight cut just diminishes his power. In which case, he might be better off at middleweight where he can threaten you on the ground or on the feet. Whereas if he's a welterweight okay. and it's kind of a one-dimensional thing. I don't know. Uh, like, I want him to fight wherever he is able to perform optimally, for whatever that's worth. That was a 17-second knockout, so... Yeah. And that was about as... Like, this wasn't one of those kind of, you know, old windmill punches. This was a really, really technically great punch that he threw. That's not the fastest knockout ever, right? No. no. Fastest knockout ever is still uh, Masvidal over Asker. Okay. Um, that might be one of the faster ones in middleweight history, though. I'd have to double-check that. but Because that one, because if we're talking about fastest knockouts at middleweight... That might be, depending on how they wanted to. Some of that depends on how the UFC categorizes some of Frank Shamrock's stuff. Well, anyway, uh, Hamayev has he has attention on him, so you know he's got it. He just has to stay consistent from here on out. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, next up, weird fight. Johnny Walker like defeats. I could have done without it, but that's just me. Uh, Johnny Walker defeats Ryan Spann via knockout, elbows and punches, 243 of the first. Um, This was your fairly typical drunken boxing exhibition. These two guys came out. Spann cracked Johnny Walker a couple of times, dropped him a couple of times, shot for a double leg, which is a really, really odd decision. Walker defends, lands a bunch of elbows, some of them to the back of the head. Uh, put Span out. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Ha- I don't have anything here. I don't care about either of these guys. I don't think either of them has a tremendous future in the division. I don't think the division has a tremendous future at all right now. Uh, I'm so yeah. negative, Robert. Yes. Hi. Have we met? <laughs> so negative. Um, Either of these guys are going to be in the titles picture. And I say that with full knowledge of just how shallow 205 is. They might try to hot shot Johnny Walker in there, but come on. Look, uh, Walker really needed this win very badly uh, after back-to-back losses. Um, Got a knockout win here. He was in in trouble. He almost got stopped early in the fight. He managed to hang on. Just barely, and, and he walked away with a win, and he and it was an impressive stoppage. I enjoyed the fight. I like it when I like it when you see like what I like it when you see a dramatic extreme when like a guy almost gets stopped, comes back, and wins the fight. Yeah, fair enough. That can be entertaining. Look, my big thing about this fight: if we're gonna stop pretending to care about fighter health in terms of what constitutes the back of the head, can we at least unban twelve to six elbows, please? Was he warned? Uh, yeah. Uh, at least once. Well, look. Then... L- l- look. Using, throwing elbows to the back of the head, you should get a warning, but it shouldn't necessarily indicate like a, 
um, a disqualification like that. Uh, what was that? In, I think it was um, Eric Silva and Pedro Nobre, where yeah. it was a really bad decision, a disqualification loss that, that it shouldn't have been. And try not to hit people in the back of the head. Yeah, but it, that wasn't – those weren't to me, those weren't like egregious shots to the back of the head. Oh, no. Pe- uh, Pedro just wanted out of that fight. Like, he was done. <laughs> but and you, if see, rendered- you, see guys, you see guys in a stoppage, they will be throwing some errant blows that sometimes land to the back of the head. That will to, – to me – not necessarily the stoppage is not directly pertaining to the strikes to the back of the head. So that that's what I'm getting at here. So that's why you shouldn't see. That's why I kind of don't agree with what you're saying. I'm sorry. Well, it depends on which part of the sequence you're looking at. If you look at that, the last three blows, right? There's an elbow that is perfectly legal. And that's the one that really kind of puts span out. Then he hits him two other times while the ref is getting there to wave it off the last of which goes to the back of the head. In that case, I do tend to think, okay, it had no bearing on the outcome. Fair enough. The problem is the sequence before that, when he, and I haven't seen a, I haven't found a great replay of it, but from the angle I saw, he did pretty clearly clobber him like twice in the back of the head in the sequence prior to that. And look, I, my, again, this is all I'm going to say about this. If we're going to not pretend to care about this anymore, give us our 12 to 6 elbows and let's be done with it. I mean, I agree on the 12 to 6 elbows thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking more about back of the head. Uh, yeah, again, I, that, that's just where I'm landing on this. Like, if, this, if we're going to allow what happened in this fight to happen, if that's going to be, if this falls on the acceptable side of what constitutes hitting the back of the head, then I'm really at a loss as to, I mean, look, the entire story of how 12 to 6 elbows got banned to begin with is a hilarious comedy of errors. But if we're done, if that's never going to be the argument anymore, is well, we're trying to protect people from getting hit in the back of the head, and then you let them hit, and then you let fighters get hit in the back of the head all the time. You don't have an argument. I think 12 to 6 elbows should definitely be allowed. I completely agree. Like, But, but I, were those 12 to 6 elbows? No. No, all of those were, if we're talking about the arc of the elbow, they were. those were all legal. Okay. But the number of people who make the stupid argument that we, you know, we don't want people getting hit in the back of the head, so we have banned, so we're keeping 12 to 6 elbows okay. banned. If you don't care about people getting back, hit in the back of the head like this then you don't actually care about people getting hit in the back of the head. Give us the 12 to 6 elbow. I think you're conflating. That's because people conflate the argument all the time. You're, confl- look, you're conflating worse. Look, <laughs> if that wasn't the argument being made, I wouldn't be making it here. Okay, look, even, fair enough. Even, I mean, here's the reality. Even if they unbanned 12 to 6 elbows tomorrow, you're still not allowed to hit someone in the back of the head. A 12 to 6 elbow is not only available to you in that position to hit someone in the back of the head. They don't even let you throw 12 to 6 elbows to the body. I'm in agreement on the 12 to 6 elbows thing, but yeah. No matter what, I I feel like that needs to get 
but you know we have all we have a ton of issues on the rules and and things that need to get adjusted well you're not kidding we'll get to that in a minute or two uh, next up, Mackenzie Dern defeated Random Marcos via armbar 344 of the first. Random Marcos with just the most baffling decision maybe ever. Mackenzie Dern slips throwing a kick, falls to her seat. And Marcos decides, you know what, we've been fighting for about 20 seconds. I'm going to go into Mackenzie Dern's guard after 20 seconds in the first round baffling decision-making process. She immediately just kind of got drowned in Dern's jujitsu. After Dern fell on the ground and whiffed on a kick. Yeah. Like, I don't understand following her down to the mat in that case. I just don't. Uh, the the armbar finish is a thing of beauty. Look it up. Dern's passing, of course. Think, there's a lot of people who try in MMA, especially when they pass. They do it kind of like they're getting on a horse. You know, they're, they're swinging their legs all around. Uh, at the elite level, proper passing is done with no space between you and your opponent, not swinging yourself around. Uh, so, good win overall for Dern, uh, who continues to... You know, look, her jiu-jitsu is always going to be essentially the best in that division by a fairly significant margin. And if you try to play that game with her, you're going to lose. And Randa Marcos tried to play in that world and uh, was thoroughly outclassed. Uh, I don't know. I still haven't seen enough about Dern. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. What, what Randa Marcos did is not that baffling when you look at her career. Look at her record, Robert. She's 10-9-1. She has never won two in a row in the UFC. She's beaten Carla Esparza and Angela Hill. Those are probably her two biggest wins. But how many fights has she lost in the UFC? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, All but one. All except one. So she is, I think... Eight and six, or, or excuse me, six and uh, six and eight in the UFC. That's not a good. That's that's even as a women's MMA fighter, that's a an abysmal record. She's won enough to stay in the UFC, but she is not a very good fighter. And when you have that type of a record, Robert, she is the type of fighter who would make a mistake like that. I don't know. This just seems like such an obvious thing. Right. Like, oh, hey, I'm this would be the equivalent of Randy Couture deciding in his fight with James Tony. You know what? I'm going to stay up here and bang it out for a little bit. It's it's just so unbelievably self-evident not to grapple with Mackenzie Dern under those conditions. Well, look, it's different when you're in there and you and you maybe maybe Randy Marcos just saw a prone fighter on the ground and thought, I need to impose my will on her and get on top. Maybe she was overconfident in, in her ground skills. I don't know. I imagine it was more that. I I don't. I think if she knew, like if she had fully understood the the uh, the gulf in skill, the differential, she wouldn't have done that. 
One, I do want to credit that Mackenzie Dern has done a fairly good job of adapting her grappling game to MMA. Yeah. Two, two some some grapplers aren't always able to do that. Uh, Mackenzie Dern has, for the most part. Um, three, it's a different situation when you're when you actually step into the octagon. What you do in training and what you've drilled in training doesn't always register. And you sometimes sometimes you're fighting on instinct more so than strate- strategically with your head. I'm I'm aware of that. So that's and kind of what I'm speculating, but that's kind of what I think happened in this fight with Random Marcos. Also, Random Marcos is just not she's not that good, Robert. And I'm not true. trying to be mean, but she's not. She's a ten. Not, she's she's a loss away from being a 500 fighter. She's yeah. fairly mediocre. And look, if all it was was she had, you know, she lost. If if that we we're all just talking about the fact that she lost, yeah, I could I easily see her losing that fight. I think I picked against her, but uh, it's sometimes you just see yeah, you a want to very, talk about a fighter. Decision. You want to talk about a fighter who should probably think about hanging it up. I right now I'm thinking Random Marcos. I think at a bare minimum, she's probably not much longer for the UFC. You know, straw weight is a good division. It's not like flyweight. She's 35 years. She's 35 years old, and she's not going to be a she's not going to be a top contender. She's not going to be a champion. She got to fight in the. She's fought in the UFC a, for a, fair, a long time, but we. I feel like we've seen the best out of her we're ever going to see. Yeah, uh, if she wants to keep fighting, I. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's other pla- there's plenty of other places she can. I don't think she is a UFC caliber fighter at this point. I agree. All right, and kicking off the main card, Kevin Holland defeated Darren Stewart via split decision. There were 29-28s. I scored it for Stewart. Um, I think kind of the reality of this fight is Holland wins the first. Not not you know def- not giant emphatic win, but Holland wins the first. Stewart very emphatically wins the third, and then it comes down to the second round. And the second round was a very close round. So I thought Stewart won, and it always sucks when the guy who wins the only definitive round of the fight loses the fight. But uh, it, it wasn't an awful fight, but nothing all that great. Uh, Holland afterwards said he kind of wanted to run it back because he thought he either lost or at best got a draw. Uh, I wouldn't hate a rematch. I mean, the, this was a perfectly acceptable filler fight on a card. So you got anything for this one? Uh, Nope. All right. As for the prelims, David Dvorak defeated Jordan Espinosa via unanimous decision, 30-27 on all three cards. Not a great fight. Uh, Damon Jackson returned to the UFC after several years and pulled off a come-from-behind guillotine choke to submit Mursad Bektich at 121 of the third. Uh, Bektich should be another cautionary tale, people. Four years ago, give or take, he looked like a can't-miss prospect. Between injuries and some key losses, uh, he's now just another ham and egger. Um Maya Buena Silva defeated Mara Romero Barella via armbar, 229 of the first. Uh, Barella just got way too complacent sitting in a 
not awful position, but not a good one. And Silva arm barter. Um, okay, I have to talk about this briefly. Jessica Rose Clark defeated Sarah Alpar via TKO knees and punches, 421 of the third. There was a kerfu- uh, prior to the kerfluffle, which we'll get to in a second. Um, Clark was dominating this fight. She was blocking takedowns, landing elbows. Uh, in the third, as Alpar is falling against the fence, Clark hits her with a knee. Now, it. I don't blame. I'm going to blame the ref for a couple of things, but not not the initial call here. There's a knee as Alpar is falling, and it's not clear in real time whether or not the knee was legal, whether or not Alpar was down or still up and could legally be kneed in the face. Um, Alpar kind of collapses. She's already on her way down. She gets kneed. I mean, it smashed her face in. Like, this was a bad knee. The ref stops. The, the ref halts the action. And because he seems to, he's again. There's some confusion here. I don't know if he thought it was an illegal blow and wanted to potentially stop that right there, or if he was. Uh, he said afterwards he didn't wave off the fight, which made this real. Which made this even worse. But he halts the action. Uh, the doctor comes in to check on Alpar. In the me- As that's going on, he checks the replay and sees that the blow was, in fact, legal. It was a very, very near thing. Alpar was dropping to her seat and was within an inch or so of being down. But the knee was legal. So he then throws everybody else out of the cage, says, I didn't stop the fight, asks Alpar, can you continue? She says yes, restarts the fight, and Clark proceeds to put another two minutes worth of beating on this poor girl until the fight's waved off. There is such a giant lack of consistency, transparency, and clarity about what should happen here. My understanding of the use of instant replay in Nevada, and they said this Uh, was that the ref can use it whenever they want. That has apparently not been true. It's been to to look at a fight-ending sequence, and once replay is invoked, the fight can't be restarted. I tend to think that's a pretty stupid way to use instant replay, but that does seem to be the ruling. So we arrive at a situation then where either this knee that Clark landed was illegal in which case Alpar can't continue and the fight's over via disqualification, or it's legal and the fight is over via TKO. I'm not sure how we got to the restart here. And, again, I don't blame the ref for stopping that fight when he did. That that knee looked in real time to be illegal. That was kind of my thought when I watched it live. Replay shows it's legal, fight's been stopped. All you're doing at that point should be determining whether or not this is a disqualification or a TKO. Replay showed it was a legal blow, we have a TKO, we're done. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's just a giant My failure. understanding, my understanding, All right. Since, uh, since I did read up on this, apparently in Nevada you are allowed to continue the fight in in this type of instance. 
Under okay. this is a statement from now. Look, Nevada could be wrong here, and they could be feeding us a pack of lies. But this is a statement. This was reported by Aaron Bronstetter uh, with TSN. This was a statement they put out. Under NSA rules, the bout can continue after replay since the fight was only temporarily paused and never officially stopped. And the referee says he never wait. He even said during that instance he didn't stop or wave off the fight. Um, it was a legal strike. They paused the fight because they thought it was a knee to a grounded opponent. They went to the replay and confirmed that it was a legal strike. The fight was never officially stopped. Sarah Alper was asked if she could continue and if she wanted to continue, and she said yes. Okay. Uh, um, any, I mean, that. Uh, look, look, that could be an erroneous, ridiculous statement, but that was their statement. If that is, in fact, the system that they have in place for this, if that is what it is, okay, I don't think that's unfair. It was handled badly because as soon as the ref halted the action to confer about the strike, the doctor came in, Bruce Buffer came in. Like, There needs to be a much clearer understanding of what the rules are and what system the, – the well, procedures the that are in place. the other problem is, and I've said this in the past, Robert, we can't have different states operating under different sets of rules. And the fact that we have different states having different rules is ridiculous. It should be one set of rules everywhere. It should be one adopted set of rules. We shouldn't, it, it, it shouldn't be different state, different set of rules. And you know that's ridiculous and it shouldn't happen. No, I it completely no agree. I, I've long since, uh, this has been true for a while. We have put fighters and referees in a position where they have to memorize too many different variables when it comes to what sort of officiating they're allowed to do, what sort of blows are legal. I, because it, it my understanding giant... of this rule set is in a different state, this would have been a stoppage. Yes. Right there. It, it, assuming that what Nevada, that statement Nevada put out is in fact the procedure that they have in place, then in a different state where you, where you cannot restart the fight after instant replay has been used, the fight would have been over. Uh, I don't – let me be very clear about something else. I don't think that giving the referee the chance to pause the action and then restart it to check a foul is wrong. I think that's a perfectly acceptable way to use instant replay technology in the context of MMA. There's a giant amount of confusion. I mean the commentary team for this event didn't know what was going on. They were all operating under apparently faulty pretense about their understanding of what was going on was incorrect. If that is the procedure Nevada has in place, okay, that's a fine – I have no issue with that procedure. I have no issue you. with pausing a fight to check on a foul either. Yeah, I like, feel like you should be. I don't, think, I don't think either of us are saying this is a bad idea in concept. Just make it make – it, it should be, be the clear. concept everywhere. Well – much as I agree that it should be uh, – that we should have something you know, unified about this, I would have been more, much more okay with this sequence of events if we all understood that's the sequence of events. The referee is pausing the action to check the legality of this strike. It's not over. 
and this is acceptable with under the guidelines that we're fighting under. I could have gone along with all of that if I knew that's what was happening. But no, we have. Did no, the NSAC know what was happening? I mean, given the way the referee behaved, he seems to have known what his what he could do. Right? So then, and, whose fault? Well, then, then who was at fault last night? Was it the referee, or was it Nevada, or was it, or was it the broadcasters? Um, I'm going to go on two fronts here. One, the broadcasters, who were screaming bloody murder about this. Okay. Who, who did not seem to understand. And then I think they had like Mark Ratner in their ear saying, "No, once once in, once replay is invoked, the fight can't be restarted," which is a clip, which is apparently according to the NSAC not true. At least for the state of Nevada. So there was a giant amount of confusion. The broadcasters, and I know those poor guys have a lot to keep track of, but at a bare minimum, somebody who can talk to them, who can talk into their ear during the broadcast, should know the specifics of the rules that they're fighting under. So that was a massive failure on the broadcast, and that's not just the guys How does Mark Ratner not know this? Because he's 87 and has a tapioca for a brain. Oh, man. I don't know how old he is. It's kind of ageist. Okay. Are you saying he's, he's senile? Are you, are you, you're basically suggesting he's senile. I'm suggesting he was deeply erroneous, if nothing else. Okay. And, yeah, look, it, I don't know. I, I, I think he was clearly someone, whoever told them that, so I, I assume Mark Ratner, because the UFC retains his services in this capacity. Okay. But... Whoever told them, whoever gave them the, that information was wrong. This is empirically true now. Okay, I don't but know who it was. here's my question. When the referee is like asking Alper, do you want to continue or are you okay to continue? Should it really be her choice? After, uh, she, got, after she got jacked like that? I would... If we're going to pause the action to check the legality of a strike or the validity of a foul, I do think that has to be the – I do think that does have to be what you do. Unless someone is completely unconscious and she was not unconscious. But it was a legal strike. Yes. And if she had been rendered unconscious by that strike, I think that there is no reason to restart it. But she wasn't. So – I don't know. I, I would like to know. I would like to know. But, where, but the, in MMA, you aren't necessarily unconscious for a fight to get stopped. That's true. And so again, if not for the pause, the fight would have been stopped there. Most probably, yes, but not definitively, I think is kind okay. of the, the. All right, then. If that's how you feel. Uh, I mean, you do. The thing about generating a procedure like this is you have to look at every contingency. So if you get someone that's, you know, in a similar situation, but is not hurt nearly as badly, do you want that fight to be waved off? It, I, I, again, this is part of the problem, uh, part of the difficulty of generating procedures for circumstances like this. It's difficult. And I just want I want consistency and I want the same rules everywhere all across the board. That's what I want. 
Look, I'd settle for the I'd settle for the broadcast team and it, knowing knowing what the rule set is, so they can adequately convey that to the audience. That was funny though. Uh, so, uh, good win for Clark. I mean, uh, confusion with regarding that sequence aside, she looked good. So, good on her, I guess. And uh, she needed that win too. Apparently someone asked her at the post-fight press conference, how do you feel about smashing that girl's face three weeks out from her wedding? I don't know if you saw her share that video on Twitter. Because, yeah, Alpar was apparently... Uh, I, would not get, I, would not, I would not want to get... I would not want to get married three weeks after I was in a cage with someone. That's just me. Uh I don't know. I don't know if she was already scheduled. They had their wedding scheduled out, you know, a fair bit before, and she decided to take the fight in between. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, she's gonna have some interesting wedding photos. Um, moving on, Derek Minner submitted T.J. Laramie with a guillotine choke, 52 seconds of the first round. Just a fairly standard guillotine from Minner, but very, very well executed. Randy Costa scored a head kick knockout over Journey Newsom, 41 seconds into the first round. Fairly standard southpaw double attack. If you're in opposite stances, you show the rear hand. That gets their guard down. Rear leg follows to the head. Boom. All she wrote. Uh, Andre Ewell defeated Irwin Rivera via split decision. I could not figure out how this was split for the life of me. Uh, And then kicking everything off, Tyson Nam defeated Jerome Rivera via TKO 34 seconds into the second. Uh, Nam had... They, these guys were also opposite stances, but Nam had been struggling to find the punching lane for his right hand. Second round, he finds it. Rivera throws an inside leg kick. Nam scoots a little bit to his left with it. Right hand down the pipe. Boom. Done. Uh, and kind of fairly standard there. So, Jeff, uh, we talked a little bit about the Clark Alpar situation. Apart from that, anything you want to touch on from that group of fights? You, you covered it enough for me. All righty. Let's move on then to this upcoming week, UFC 253. The UFC is back in the United Arab Emirates for this. Woof. Main event. I am very much looking forward to this fight. Uh, For the middleweight title, champion Israel Adesanya will defend against Paulo Costa. I believe this is just the second time in UFC history we have two undefeated fighters battling out for the title. Anyone who remembers the other one gets a cookie. Nope, nobody? Okay. For the record, the other one was Rashad Evans and Leoto Machida. Uh, Man, it's been 11 years. Wow. God, hasn't it? Sold. So <laughs> um, Uh, I've gone. I wouldn't. I shouldn't say back and forth on this, but I rewatched last night. I last couple of nights actually. I just did. Uh, I did a quick rewatch of a, a few fighters that are on this card because I wanted to confirm some of my suspicions, maybe get a feel for them a little bit better. And I, I feel pretty. I shouldn't. This is going to sound weird. I feel like I've got a decent general grasp on Adesanya's game. Uh, Anything beyond like the very the, the broadest possible sense of that, I don't. The man, his striking is very very sophisticated. 
but kind of broadly, I've got a decent feel for him. Uh, Costa, I thought I did, so I rewatched his fights to kind of confirm. And yeah, I've I do have a pretty good feel for that guy. He's a lot more. He does not represent the same level of sophistication, which is not to say he is any less dangerous. He's just not as sophisticated. There's a couple of things that Costa does that you have to be very aware of, one of which does not get a lot of credit. Uh, Paulo Costa's kicking game, especially to the body, is largely unappreciated. Nobody really talks about that. His ability to punch to the body and head is well discussed. He does good varying of his targets in that respect. But his kicking game, again, especially the body kick, gets a little bit overlooked, I think. Now, it's not, he doesn't usually end fights with it, but it sets stuff up, it gets guys backing up, which is, an imp- which is I think, the most important part of understanding Costa's game, if you want to understand how he wins fights. Uh, Costa can be led into stuff, has been in the past, but his big thing is getting your back on the fence. Paulo Costa, in the middle of the octagon, is a wildly different fighter then Paulo Costa along kind of that warning track area. Out in open space, he's not that great. Again, he's got good kicks. He's certainly got power. I don't mean to diminish his... The man does have power. But he's not great about footwork. He's in open space. He's not great about shot selection. He got jabbed up by Uriah Hall when they were at distance. Uh, once he gets your back on the fence, he is a – there's a switch there, man. He's a savage. When your options mobility-wise are limited, he is great about attacking you. He's really good about again, varying stuff high and low. He's got again, clearly power. But once – he really wants things to be kind of static. He's not he's, – he's big on planting his feet and throwing. Out in space, he struggles a lot more. And if Adesanya is able to keep this kind of in that open space area, he has every advantage possible, I think, outside of just if we're about outside of raw power. He's a much better striker technically. He has much more varied offense. And the other big thing here for me is. Uh, cardio. We've seen Adesanya fight five rounds. In fact, in the case of the Gastelum fight, five hard rounds. Paulo Costa gassed pretty And in the Romero fight, five awful rounds. True. Uh, in the case of Costa, he gassed pretty visibly in the third round of his fight with Yoel Romero. In fact, dropped that round unanimously. So the longer this goes, the more I favor Adesanya in that case, because Costa's gas tank just isn't has not been demonstrated to be built for five rounds. Now maybe he's adjusted that. Maybe he's adjusted not just the amount of not just his cardio training, but how he manages a fight. You, know, you can fight three rounds like he did against Romero, in that I'm going to clearly take the first two, and if I'm gassed in the third, I'm good enough to not get finished. So yay, I win. Managing that over five rounds is a little bit different. Doable, but different. So, 
Costa's power and his physical presence and his commitment to kind of forward pressure is a are very real concerns. They're, those represent, again, very, very real concerns. He's a very legitimate threat to Adesanya. I tend to think that skills... Just like Yoel Romero was apparently the most dangerous fight in the division. <sighs> Who said that? Because I don't you think did. I did, but I know that was a selling point, right? <laughs> uh, no one wants to fight this guy. Except Paulo Costa. <laughs> even Costa didn't... I don't know. Costa took the fight. Look, people take the fight with Romero, but... I don't know too many people who are calling him out. I still don't, in all honesty. Uh, I tend to land at, you know, skills win fights. Adesanya is the more skilled fighter. He's the more proven fighter over the five-round distance. But this is a... Costa's a legitimate threat. You know, he's never lost. He's never lost for a reason. So, I'm... My pick, for whatever it's worth, I lean Adesanya, but uh, not in, this is a very, very uh, – cost is dangerous for anyone in that division, just straight up, anyone. He is a dangerous fight. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it will – I think Costa's style, unless he radically changed it for this fight, which I find deeply unlikely – will kind of guarantee at least something watchable. So I I look forward to it. That's kind of my analysis, such as it is. Again, it's very, very broad instead of specific, so take it for whatever it's worth. Jeff, what do you got for this one? I'm picking out Asanya. Uh, I like Costa. Uh, he has power. He's an exciting fighter. I don't think he has the cardio to go five rounds. I don't think he has the technique uh, and strategy that Adesanya is able to mount uh, in a championship fight. Uh, Adesanya, you know, he doesn't always have the most exciting fight, but he, he has proven he is a championship-level fighter. He's highly skilled. Uh, you know... He's he's adapted his game very well to MMA. He's very confident with his stand-up. His kickboxing is top-notch. Um, he's he has adapted his grappling uh, and his takedown defense very well, um, and he's held up very well against top-shelf wrestlers and grapplers uh, in this sport. Um, I I just don't see. cost of putting the game together to beating Adesanya in a prolonged fight. Does he have the power? Uh, does he have the stand-up skill to score a knockout? Yes, but I'm not predicting that. And I feel the longer it goes, the better it goes for Adesanya. And I just don't think he's as smart and as strategic as a fighter as Adesanya. And I don't think his gas tank is going to hold up a, uh, uh, if the fight gets out of the first two rounds. All right. Our co-main event, another title fight. This for the vacant light heavyweight title. Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovic. Uh, Reyes is one of those guys that actually, this was technically early this morning from like two to three in the morning. I watched his UFC fights. And 
I'm still leaning towards Reyes, but and that's that's more to do with Blahovich than I think with Reyes at this point. Um, Blahovich has power, but he's very slow, and he struggled a little bit with guys who are good kickers. He's also 37. Who Blahovich? Yep. Ah. Again, that means less at 205 than it does in other weight classes, but I did not realize he was that old. Uh, We've seen Reyes fight for five rounds, and while he did in the Jones fight gas in the fourth and fifth, uh, the only time we've seen Blahovich fight five rounds was that absolutely abysmal fight with Jacare. I think I could have fought five rounds at the pace those two fought at. And my cardio is piss poor. So I think that's a bit of a question mark for these two guys in this fight, uh, whether Reyes has learned to manage his energy better. Uh, Again, Blahovich certainly has power, and I'm not going to be, you know, blown out of the water, shocked if he does pull this off, but I don't know how his gas tank holds up over five rounds if he's actually fighting for five rounds. I don't know how he's going to deal with a guy who's... i got to double-check something about Blahovich. Because he's only 6'2". And Reyes is 6'4". And Blahovich has struggled with guys who are bigger and longer than he is. Uh, Tiago Santos and uh, Gustafson spring instantly to mind. I think... I actually do tend to think that the more this stays... Up on the feet, and especially kind of out at range, the worse it is for Blahovich. He's got power, but he's much more kind of a pocket fighter. He beat Corey Anderson. Yeah, but Anderson is, A, not a good stand-up fighter at all. <laughs> he's bigger than him, though. How much, so? He's 6'3", 79-inch reach. And bigger. One inch in height and reach. Still bigger. So, yeah, and he also lost their first fight. And won the rematch. He did. So they're one and one. And we'll never get a, look, the, rem, the rubber match will happen in Bellator in two and a half years. <laughs> so, again. You're funny. I, I wish I was joking about that. Uh, I'm I'm leaning Reyes, but that also has to do with his punching. Reyes is a pretty decent straight puncher, and especially opposite stance, Blahovich is loopy. But I'm this is the correct fight to make. These are the top two guys in that weight class right now. I just don't care. And you should care. Why? Because it's a fight for the title? There's a lot of title fights I don't care about. That does not... I am not obligated to be excited about a title fight. I think they match up better than the last two light heavyweight title fights. I might buy that if we're talking about just, you know, in cage... You should care because we're going to get a new champion. Uh, John Jones is out of the division. That's a statement of fact. We're getting a new champion. 
I fail to understand why these that. Both deserve these guys. Both deserve to be fighting for the title. I'm not I, seeing a problem here. I I don't have a problem. Well, yeah, you do. No, I just don't care. That's not the same thing as having a problem. I'm not well, objecting to this fight. It's the correct fight to make. It's the correct fight. I'm more excited I'm about my baked potato picking, than I am about this I'm fight. I'm picking Jan Blahovic. Jan Blahovic is going to win and become the new champion. Dominic Reyes has done nothing but complain in the lead up to this fight. Six weeks isn't enough time. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're getting to fight for the title. He couldn't get it done against John Jones. He didn't look like a guy who was capable of crossing the finish line and winning the title. He's not going to do it here. Jan Blahovic isn't going to Bellator, Robert. He's beating Reyes, and he's going to become the new UFC champion. And I look forward to him losing to Glover Teixeira. Which should be a joke, but it's not. Why are you? Why? What do you have against Glover Teixeira? He's not a bad guy. He's not. No, he's a. By all accounts, he's a great he's human a good, being. Good fighter too. Yeah, he's a good fighter. Why are you being so mean? Okay, fine. If it's not okay, if it's not Teixeira, then I look forward to the rematch between Jan Blahovic and Tiago Santos that goes exactly the same as their first fight did. Okay. What do you have against Tiago Santos? He's old, his knees are shot, and I don't find him an especially compelling fighter. Okay. All right. A little mean, but okay. Yeah, I'm look, I'm a harsh critic. I I'm aware of this. <laughs> And look, this division is just kind of going to be dead to me for about 18 months. Now, I think this could be good for the division, though, honestly. I mean, it'll be different. Uh, by definition, it'll be different. You know, we're finally, we're, we are finally, for the first time in, you know, eight years... Getting a division that does not have John Jones, Daniel Cormier, or Alexander Gustafson present at all. Right. So, in the problem with the division when John Jones was on top, wasn't so much that John Jones was champion, is that he was just constantly screwing up in his personal life and just causing problems. And it was holding up the division. that was an annoyance. That wasn't the actual problem. Well, it was a that was it was a problem to me. It's a problem, certainly. Here, look, the problem with light heavyweight has been the problem with light heavyweight for eight years, probably longer. No one, there is no divisional turnover. Glover Teixeira, still a top five guy, north of forty. That doesn't happen in anywhere except light heavyweight and heavyweight for a reason. There has not been an influx of talent at 205 for years. There's a Yuri Projaka. We got one guy. I'm not opposed to Prohachka, but... What about like, Volkan Uzdemir? What about Volkan Uzdemir? He, he was a new guy. Yeah, then he fl- then he got to the title scene, got smashed by Cormier, lost his next two fights, and then Johnny Walker, down, who went on a two fight losing streak, and is just yeah, a circus clown. He, he just won. He just won a fight. 
You want to fight, and okay. At what? He is not. Guys going, lose sometimes. Guys, yeah, guys lose. But when we have guy, in your mind, when a guy loses, they're dead to you. No. Yes. Plenty of talented fighters lose. There's a world of Alex, difference. Alexander Rakich. Yeah. Okay. There's Rakich. There's Rakich least, is. There's there's a few there's a few guys. A few guys it's, over the last two not, years. It's not as stacked. It's not as stacked as it's as it was uh, before the end of the de- the before the end of the aughts. It's not as stacked as it was then. When you had all when you had this when it was really stacked competitive, you had got you know you couldn't keep the title on a guy, and now, and then you had Jones kind of dominating things for a while, and then it kind of thinned out. Now you have you have some new up and comers. I I and feel like not a got, lot. You have some. You've got a couple, and in eighteen months, I'm prepared to reassess. Okay, so let's reassess. So I don't think it's as dire as you make it out to be, and I'm looking forward to this fight. So that's my take. I and hope you enjoy I'm it. Gonna have a new champion. I'm en- I'm gonna enjoy it no matter what you say, Robert. You can't get me down about this. Oh, I could if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to? <laughs> no. You s- let's let's do quick hits for the rest no, of the no, no. Here, Here's how this fight goes badly. One fight sucks. Two Blahovich wins. Three Blahovich pops for Usada. I mean, <laughs> hypothetically, that could happen with a lot of fight with, with fights that just happened last night. You know, it could. I. I'm not discount. Look, I'm not. That's not me accusing Blahovich of anything. But I don't dismiss those are possibilities. I am hoping that does not happen. I don't want. Look, I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> yes, you do. You no. definitely do. Look, I don't. Again, I don't. By want saying that, to that you, by saying it, you want for it to happen. I've seen you. I have seen your social media. You have prayed. You have outright invoked chaos on multiple occasions. You love chaos and anarchy. You would I love really to see that happen. <laughs> the, the irony of no, no, I don't. But I have learned. I have learned that that you is really the true. State of by this saying world. it, by saying it out loud, you are invoking it and asking for it to happen. That so is, there is a there is psychologically embedded within you a part of you that wants to see. This chaos happened. So yes. No, I'm no, I'm just really, really good at finding worst case scenarios. It's a byproduct of my depression. I'm just good. I'm just good at predicting the chaos, Jeffrey. I don't like it. I don't. I I would much <laughs> rather. You don't. Hold on. You don't. I, I would much rather things worked smoothly and the way they should work. That's the way I want the world to function. I don't. I, don't I acknowledge believe, that I don't it's not the way it functions. I do not believe you, sir. Look, I spent 15 years getting horribly depressed every time things did not go the way I thought they would, or they should, or any time a monkey wrench got thrown into the works. That is not a sustainable way to live. Okay. So I have learned to... At least make s'mores when the world's burning. I don't want the world to burn, <laughs> and I'm going to try to put out the fire, but yeah. if I can't, 
Okay. In the, case, in the case of MMA, I have no say over anything. Okay, so you say. Look, so if I had that kind say. of if I had one one hundredth the influence you seem to ascribe to me, everything would look different. Everything. Okay. Uh, I agree with you about quick hits for the rest of this card because it's just kind of here. All right. So for the rest of it. Um, Kai Kara France will fight Brandon Royville. We've actually got flyweights on the main card of a pay-per-view. This is a sign of the apocalypse. Uh, it's not a bad fight. I tend to lean Kara France, but his last couple of fights have not been, you know, confidence boosters. Um, Ketlin Vieja will try to bounce back from her first loss, where she was badly knocked out by Irina Aldana against Sajara Eubanks. I like Vieja here. She's much bigger than Eubanks. She can kind of grapple on Eubanks' level if it comes to Eubanks that. Eubanks so. just fought. Yeah, this was supposed to be um, Vieja and Marion Renault. Uh, Eubanks agreed to this fight four days ago. Uh, and kicking off the main card, we have Hakeem Dawadu and Zubaira Tahugov. <sighs> Dawadu is kind of like Eric Silva used to be. And I tend to think Tahugov is the kind of guy who's going to beat that guy. So... Uh, as for the prelims, Brad Riddell and Alex De Silva, that's a pretty decent fight, actually. I, I lean towards Riddell, but that's a decent fight. Jeff, would you believe in the year of our Lord 2020, Diego Sanchez is going to fight again? No. He's Talk fighting about a, a guy that should hang it up. He's fighting Jake Matthews. I imagine this goes very badly for Diego Sanchez. Uh, Shane Young, this would be at Featherweight, will fight Ludovic Klein. Is that a replacement? I feel like it is. Probably go with Young there, but Young's been very hit and miss. We have a light heavyweight fight between William Knight and Alexa Kamer. I don't know anything about either of these gentlemen, so I'll go with Kamer. And on our early prelims, we have a heavyweight fight between Juan Espino and Jeff Hughes, because God hates me. Go with Hughes there. And a light heavyweight fight. You're going to put a light heavyweight, a heavyweight, and another light heavyweight fight all back to back? That is just not... Why? Why would you do this to me? Uh, Hidrasi Ibrahimov will fight Danilo Marquez. Ibrahimov, this is really his last hope. He's lost three in a, a row in the UFC. To He lost to Ed Herman. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pick him. I'm just not going to do it. I'll go with Marquez, but God, who could care about that fight? So, Jeff, anyway, there's a lot of fights there to potentially unpack. What stands out to you? There's some decent ones there. Mm, that, that's about it for me. All righty. Well, this Saturday, I will have live coverage of this in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so you can stop by and say hello. You can tell me how wrong I am about anything. Feel free to yell about my scoring. Uh, that happens on occasion. Or, you know, interact with each other. Uh, 
always appreciate you guys, you know, and the support that you provide my work, such as it is. Uh, all right. Only kind of thing I think worth talking about in the news front here. The UFC had some roster shakeups that they went through this week. Uh, they cut John Dodson to the shock of no one. Uh, and one of their signings, former Bellator lightweight champion Michael Chandler has signed to the UFC. And has... He's the backup for Habib versus uh, Gagey. Yes, he is officially the backup for that. So he does not have a fight on that card. He's just there in case something happens. I'm completely okay with this. Uh, Chandler, maybe a little bit past where I would have wanted to see him in the UFC, but he's an exciting fighter. He's good pretty much everywhere. Uh, I look forward... To me, it's a lot like the Ben Askren thing. I feel like he should. it should have happened five or six years ago. Um, I think five or six might have been too much for Chandler, but three, probably. He's 34 now. Yeah, so he's a little bit past the peak, but he's... So my issue, and he's been fighting at lightweight. So I feel like his bet. I'm not saying this is a certainty, but I feel like a lot of his best fights and performances are likely behind him. Entirely he's possible. Had a lot of... And he's been... He has been in a lot of back-and-forth wars. Yeah. A lot. I mean, his... his uh series of matches with Eddie Alvarez are they're Not amazing just, fights. Yeah. Will Brooks. Will Brooks, who after after beating Chandler multiple times came in the UFC and and uh washed out very quickly. You uh, know? He was stopped by uh Patricio uh by the, the good Pitbull brother not too yeah. long ago. So um, I don't I don't know how much the Pitbull is another guy I would have liked to have seen in the UFC at would, some point. I really hope he makes he makes that transition. He is, I think, bar none, he is the best fighter that Bellator has produced. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see him in the UFC. Chandler's definitely up there for sure. Um, he's done a lot of great things. He's earned. Chandler's he's probably number this, two. Chandler has earned this opportunity, unquestionably, unquestionably. I just don't know how much he can get done. At this point, but we'll see. This he's, is—he is this definitely is, on the clock. It, he, doesn't, he doesn't have time to futz around. I feel—I feel like it was the same way with Ben Askren, though. I feel like it should have happened when he was like 28, 29, rather than 34, 35, after he had already retired, basically. But whatever. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, Chandler's inclusion in the lightweight division. I mean, I'm happy. Line him up, him and, you know, get him in there with anybody. Uh, he's going to make for an interesting fight. I agree. So, again, we've lost Dodson. There were a few other – the UFC cut a couple of other people that you've probably never heard of. Uh, look, the UFC signed a bunch of people from the Contender Series. and Somebody said this on Twitter, and I can't unsee the comparison now. The Contender Series is just an unpaid internship to fight in the UFC. Those guys don't get paid? No, they get, uh, they do, but by way of comparison, for example. When the UFC signs someone from that show, they're on what, like the 30 and 30 deal? Possibly, I guess. I mean, I'd have to look up the specifics, but you know, they're not 
they're not even signing someone to say like 70 and 70, right? That that would be that that would be deeply unlikely. Hmm. So they fire someone like John Dodson, who and for the cost of his contract, they can hire two or three guys from the contender series. That's what I, I mean. Look at like. Dodson. I wouldn't have cut Dotson, but Dotson was not looking that great lately. I was, uh, I'm okay with him getting cut. I mean, he hasn't had a good, he's had a, he's had like a win recently, but he's not been able to string anything together. His record, he, his record was 21 and 12. He lost back to back fights to, uh, Rivera and, and Yonner. Those are, I, you know, top guys, top guys, but who, uh, Marab, uh, Deval, uh, Devalis v, uh, Vili lost that fight and he was kind of like up and down. I mean, he's up and down. He's kind of past his sell by date. He's not even putting on fights that get the crowd excited anymore. It's time to cut bait with that guy. I think he started off really strong. Um, he had a, his bet, you know, one of his better performances was that first fight with, uh, Mighty Mouse and, You know, he didn't get the, you know, he didn't win that fight, but it was a good fight. I thought it was a good fight. And, um, he just kind of, you know, he hadn't, did have some injuries, but then, you know, he just couldn't put, he got the rematch with Johnson, couldn't <laughs> win that fight. Competitive. And then he was just kind of back and forth with wins and losses and just, you know, I don't think this is. I mean, I wouldn't have maybe cut him just yet, but he wasn't really making a good case for himself, I think. Yeah, I wasn't surprised when I heard they cut him. So, again, that's kind of the big thing was Chandler signing. So we can look forward to Michael Chandler in the UFC, uh, which should be fun. Again, Chandler's one of the guys. In might have been, you know, for all I know, Dotson might have been at the end of his contract. I don't know. Could have been. Or, you know, only one fight left and just nobody could come to terms on anything. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of it for news. Quiet week on the MMA. Uh, here's here's something interesting. Uh, Cormier said he had uh, COVID uh, oh, during yeah. the camp. Kind of a nice way to find out the guy had COVID, right? With the UFC congratulating themselves about their association with... Uh, uh, that that ring product. What 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 is that? Oh, I don't know what it is. I. What does it do? I it's something for either monitoring or helping, like try to. Con- I think it's a monitoring thing. I don't know what it is. It's um, some stupid name too. It's like it's not quite. Is it region. a co- is it a co- is it contact tracing? Is that what it does? I. I it, is like is that. it like contact tracing? Okay, so Tiago Santos has COVID. Fight with Glover Teixeira. Uh, October third is canceled. Did you Again? know about that? No, that's that's new. September fifth. September. This is from September fifteenth. So five days. So yeah, they just can't make that fight. They keep trying, and it won't ever stick. Initial report from Kimbate. Latest one from MMA Fighting. Uh. Da, 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 da. So yeah, 
Fight's canceled. That sucks. That was going to crown your next uh, title challenger. Okay. Uh, UFC 253. We'll also have uh, Hadis Ibrahimov. Yeah, we've got that. Versus Mark. Okay, we went over that one. Uh, Johnny Walker said um, he had COVID-19 or he tested positive for it recently. Doesn't really surprise me. The thing is, COVID is just so crazy. Like you can test positive for it and not and not be serious or it can really just can knock be, you out. You can be asymptomatic in the sense that you're not manifesting symptoms. I mean, there again, there are some people that have had it but have never been sick. Now, now According to Diamond Dallas Page, he said he was talking about um who was it? QT Mar- QT Marshall's wife tested negative like twice and net and hit and QT Marshall's wife was like knocked out. Like she was like really sick and like there's no way she doesn't have something, but apparently she tested negative. So that's just kind of how weird it's such a weird the coronavirus is so weird, you know? Yeah, and our testing for and the it testing, is and the still... test testing is not foolproof. So yeah, I'm not saying. Look, I just so you know, I'm not a COVID denier. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we don't have we don't have all, all the data on it, and it is a very it is a very it's very tough to pin down. Is what I'm trying to say. Look, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm not one of those guys saying it's a big hoax or that it's gonna you know. Evaporate after the elections over anything like that. Exactly. We can say it's real. We can say it's very serious, and we can also say, hey, by the way, our testing for this is not great because those two things are. There's too many people, I think, that draw an improper conclusion look, from us look, saying, you know, testing's not great. Doctor, not me. Doctors were predicting the virus was gonna, the heat was gonna kill the virus in September, and they were wrong. So I mean. That those that's doctors and scientists saying that, not me. And I'm yeah, not a, and I'm not claiming claiming to be either. So uh, it, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of stuff that's yeah. Because because this thing came into existence, uh, uh, you know, it, it manif- the disease itself manifested very recently. We're getting a lot of stuff that normally <laughs> takes years of refining, right. having to be done in real time, and consequently, there's a lot of confusion. Okay, so uh, Felice Herrig told MMA Fighting on Tuesday she is getting uh, knee surgery again on October 5th to repair damage uh, that was not addressed for her past uh, torn ACL in 2019. So get well soon to Felice Herrig. Man, that's got to suck when you have to get multiple knee surgeries like that. So hopefully that'll fix things for her. Um, oh, uh, on that same note, Tyron Woodley did share the X-ray of his broken rib. Uh, it's I think the the lowest one on his uh, left side, and it's badly broken. Now I now I kind of want to make the joke, but I'm not gonna say it, so there's no <laughs> audio of me out there. <laughs> now that I get the joke, I kind of want to say it, like I'm getting the urge to say it, but I'm not I know, going right. <laughs> Anything related to it, and it's just because it's Tyron Woodley, right? Exactly. I know. It's always there, like Tyron Woodley's broken rib. 
jokes jokes at that gimmick aside, broken ribs suck. Because now I, I just have this. Have you ever had that weird like 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 that weird urge where you just want to say something but you can't, but like you know you should, but like All I'm not. Time. That's kind of that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I'm so sorry, everybody. But man, all the time. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at it now. So Ariel Hawani shared it. Yeah. Um, I, I think is... I shared I shared that on my Facebook feed. So it's the lo- it's if you're looking at the picture, it's the lower right. But again, it's an X-ray, so it's the mirror image. That looks so weird. I can't even tell what I'm looking at here. Um. Okay. You you see the uh you have that big kind of glowing mass that's low. That's your intestines. Yeah. You can see the rib cage, right? Kind of. Okay, look down the left side. Yeah. And you can kind of see, especially like towards the top where the ribs are. Like you're just seeing the lower ribs. Yeah. Now look directly across from the lowest one to the one on the right. Right. Okay, okay, now I see the – yes. It, it should have a circle around it. Okay, This. Okay. so it's de- it's it's split. I see the split, and it yeah, it's, it's split that, in two. That's not cracked. Yeah. That's badly broken. Yeah. That so. sucks. No, no, there's no shame in, in you know, in stopping a fight for that. No, your rib, uh, when you have your, yeah. Your rib breaks like that, yeah. I uh, can only imagine how painful that would be. So yeah. I've never, I've never broken a rib. Certainly not that badly. I've uh, injured them once or twice. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like because you can damage the connective tissue between them. Right. Uh, it's it is unbelievably miserable. But you, have no, you have no idea how much you use your it ribs. It could cause for, internal damage. It could cause internal damage, you know. Yeah, if ribs it's that break like, that badly can puncture organs. Okay. That ha- it's not common, but it happens. So hopefully he is able to recover quickly. I don't – like I may not be a fan of the man's, but I don't wish him pain and suffering at all, so – Okay, so retired uh, champion Tyron Woodley was on Mike Swick's podcast. Says Sean O'Malley is – he thinks he's better than what he really is. He hasn't been through a war. You can give the pain, but you can take the pain. That's the difference between somebody like Sean O'Malley and me. Does he have better striking than me? Probably because of his length and his range makes him a little dangerous, but you've just got to be the full package. So he's critiquing Sean O'Malley after his hype train was derailed. You were very high on Sean O'Malley a while back. Thought he was going to get fast-tracked to the title. I thought they would fast-track him if he won because he has a fan following. Look, I I still think he has some – there's clearly ability there. That doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean it always translates into real world results. Count you among the fan following, just like not at all. Yoel Romero. I'm, look, I'm not a fan, but I'm not going to pretend that the <laughs> man is, you know, be, uh, worse than he is in some respects because I like or don't like him. I heard someone was looking to sign with Bare Knuckle. Uh, Mir, I think Frank Mir signed with them, didn't he? Yes. Um, I don't know about that. Frank Mir. It's heavyweight. It's bare knuckle. Who could possibly care apart from Mark? I, I I would not want Frank to. I thought Frank was training to be to do some pro wrestling stuff, which if he wanted to, you know, do like pro wrestling part time, that sounded like, a, you know, an OK thing for him to do. But not my call. All right. Well. After one last check through Twitter, which does not seem anything MMA related has kind of 
gone bonkers. Oh, um, Dana White also said he hasn't heard anything from Brock Lesnar. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Coker pitched Brock Lesnar the fight with Fedor. Would be an incredibly MMA thing to finally get that 10 years too late in Bellator, wouldn't it? Yes, it, it would. Uh, so, yeah. That's going to go ahead and wrap us up here, I think. So, yep. Jeff, what do you have for plugs? Uh, I actually got to see a movie. I saw Tenet last week. So, my review of Tenet is going up in the movie zone tonight. Uh, so, be on the lookout for that. I'm supposed to be doing an interview on my own podcast, the 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast, two days from now. Uh, so be on the lookout for that uh, in the wrestling zone. Um, and that's about it, I think. But yeah, I actually saw Tenet. So, and I was very disappointed. I don't know if you saw Tenet yet. I did. Did you, you like Tenet? I did. Okay, good. I'll have to look for that on the on the Damn You Hollywood. Yeah, Mark and I got together to talk about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay, interesting. Uh, that we released that the day after we reviewed Disney Plus's Mulan. Uh, one of those I really didn't like. Awful. I guess you get, you can, Awful. You can just guess that, that was Mulan. Awful. So you can listen to – there's four of us on that show. There's myself, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and David Wright. So we kind of kicked that – pay $30 to watch Mulan. I did not pay the full 30. Uh, it got split between me and a couple of people, but I paid more than I wanted to. So we talked about that. Uh, again, Mark and I talked about Tenet. Uh, this coming week – there will be a TV party for the – I forget which channel it aired on, but uh, we kind of stumbled upon the MMA family drama uh, television series Kingdom starring Frank Grillo and Nick Jonas. So uh, we, so myself, Mark Radulich, and Pat Mullen are going to talk about the three seasons of that that have aired. So you can look out, be on the lookout for that if you've seen the show, if you just like hearing us – kind of kick around uh, you know, television-related stuff, so you can be on the lookout for that. Uh, with some of the, with a bunch of the movies getting pushed back, uh, Wonder Woman and, because Wonder Woman got moved, and what was the other one? Uh, Candyman got moved. So the Daniel Hollywood More schedule... More movies are sure to be moved further, I imagine. I'm... I would agree with that. So the damn you Hollywood schedule is in a state of constant flux at this point in time, but uh, you can be on the lookout for that. We will, we do talk movies uh, when we get the chance to. So, and then of course this coming Saturday, UFC 253 next Sunday, we'll be back here recording this show and we'll have a review of 253 and a preview of, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say this about this card, and you can say whatever you want about me when I say this. This might be the worst card the UFC has put on ESPN. But we'll be back next week to uh, review 253 and preview the upcoming Home versus Aldana card. Uh, I'm looking at this, and... You know what? 
Yeah, there is nothing here. I mean, there's fights, but... This is a punch-the-time-clock kind of card. There is just nothing. So, we'll give that a preview next week. Uh, see how for however that goes. So, thank you. Hopefully, you'll all be back next week. Until then, on behalf of Jeff, I am Robert, reminding you to stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.